Hello and welcome to Siwan's Radio. You're listening to Open Source Lisbon's podcast, where you can find talks of prestigious speakers from the biggest open source event in Portugal. Today's episode will be about how Unbevel is solving translation by combining the speed and scale of machine translation with the quality and expertise unique to humans. The talk is called Unbevel, Bridging the Gap in Multilingual Communication, and our guest speaker is Miguel Vera, Junior Research Scientist at Unbevel. Hi. So uh, just before I walked in, someone told me this was the graveyard shift. So I'm here to get your spirits up and to get you ready to go to the sunset party afterwards. I think my entrance, wrong entrance 20 minutes ago already uh, got in the right foot. Uh, so I'll keep this short and sweet. So in the digital age, we are creating more information than ever. And most of us, when we access the internet and create content, we create content in our native language or in English. And with um, internet access being uh, becoming widespread in Africa and Asia, uh, the problem of having um, content in different languages will become even greater. Uh, recent research by CSA Research says that if you bundle together all translation firms, you would be capable of translating less than 1% of relevant content. And when we're talking about relevant content, we're talking about uh, journalistic pieces, we're talking about books, we're talking about customer support, we're talking about a lot of things that you want to see on the internet that you might not be, have access to because they're in the wrong language. And the problem of translation is twofold. On one hand, you have human translators, which are professional translators, but they're very expensive and very slow. A human translator needs to look at a source text and read it word by word, while writing the entire text in a target language, uh, making sure that the meaning stays the same, that everything is translated, that expressions continue to be the same. It's a very slow process that, for that reason, is very expensive. On the other hand, we have machine translation. And no matter how many claims from certain companies we have that they've solved machine translation or that we've achieved human parity, we're just not there yet. Yes, machine translation is very good at translating simple texts. If you want to translate your calls to your grandma, we got you. But when you're translating complicated things, when you're translating expressions, things that work in one language but don't work in the other, machine translation is not there yet. But on the other hand, it's very cheap and it's very fast. So what we do at Enbabel is that we join the two. So when we get a request from a customer, I can take this. When we get a request from a customer, it first goes through our machine translation pipeline. We train our own neural networks uh, for machine translation, and we deploy them in-house. Then, after machine translation, it goes through a quality estimation system. And this system is another neural network that is trained to look at a source text and a target text, that, that is the same text in a source and target language, and to estimate the quality of this translation. This means that this, this AI, as people like to call it nowadays, can define this quality in, uh, on the go. It is trained to do it. And if a quality is very good, then we can send it to the customer directly. We're completely bypassing things, and we are providing the scale that machine translation affords us. On the other hand, when the quality is not very good, we send it to a crowd of human editors. And we have thousands of editors around the world that look at our translations and fix them. And 
this is a much simpler job because they only need to read a text in one language, read it in another, and find where it doesn't match. All of you here, if you speak at least two languages, could become editors for Unbabel. So this creates a much faster process, and it has another crucial thing. Every time an editor fixes one of our translations, this is more data that we can feed into the QE and the machine translation systems. So we are constantly creating data. One of our biggest use cases is customer service. And you might be aware that if you're a big company like Microsoft, EasyJet, uh, Tinder, uh, those are all our companies, our uh, clients, you have to provide customer support in dozens of different languages. And it becomes very expensive to hire people in Germany, uh, the Netherlands, etc., etc., etc. So what we, we provide a service for a customer service that is tra translation into a lot of languages. I'm not sure the exact number, but more than 18. And we superpower these agents in a bunch of different platforms so that every time you send an email to a customer support agent in German, Dutch, French, etc., it immediately gets translated through our platform into English. The customer service agent sees the email in English, he replies in English, and then it gets translated back to the original language. So you're having a conversation that you think is in your native language, but actually the agent is answering everything in English. This allows companies to reduce their costs of customer support by huge amounts, because you don't need to have customer support in all these countries. You can centralize this customer support in one country where it is cheaper. And people in Germany, they don't see customer support as a career. Nobody wants to do a career in customer support. But that's not true in India. That's not true in Taiwan. In those countries, people take this seriously. And so what, it, what we've noticed is that not only have we managed to reduce costs for companies, but the support that these agents provide is much better than the support that the temporary agents in other countries could provide. So we've increased customer satisfaction while reducing costs. And going back to our original idea of why translation doesn't work, this mixed pipeline has allowed us to average 20 minutes per translation, which is extremely fast, and maintain a quality of 94. And that 94 is MQM, which stands for a big word, which is multi-factor quality metrics. And it's basically an evaluation of the quality of a translation. And professional translators get around 96 to 98. And we get 94 while doing it in 20 minutes per document. Now, this can be expanded to a plethora of different use cases. We've started with customer service, and we're now tackling real-time chat and video subtitles, but you can use it this for newsletters, FAQs, um, reviews, travel descriptions, etc., etc. You can translate anything. But the crucial part on this pipeline, on this loop of data, is that green thing, which is quality estimation. Because as our quality estimation gets better, we can skip the humans more. And skipping the humans saves us a lot of money. Because the as I said, the machine translation already translates a lot of things very, very well. So if we can skip the humans for those very good translations, then that's great for our bottom line. But what's this thing of quality estimation? There are two types of quality estimation. There's word-level quality estimation, and there's sentence-level quality estimation. And here, they're basically self-explanatory, but when we ask if a word, a word is well-translated, we don't mean just that specific word. We want to know the context. We want to know if it makes sense in this, if it retains the same meaning. And that's what the neural networks capture. They manage to capture this context of, over the entire document. So to give you a simple example, 
uh, on a well-known translation engine that I will not name, um, you can see that, I'm sorry for those who don't speak Portuguese, but this phrase in English is translated to Portuguese, and the translation is literally correct. Every single word is well translated, but it doesn't retain the same meaning. It means something completely different in Portuguese. And what we do with quality estimation is that we can label each one of these words as okay or bad, depending on, well, if they keep their meaning or not. And I was told I couldn't make this technical, so these are the only five lines of code that I have in my entire presentation, but this is how it works in practice. You got a source sentence in one language, you got a machine translated, and you pass it through a neural network, and it re returns a bunch of probabilities of each word being bad. And then we can take those probabilities, transform them into a tag for each word, and we have the evaluation of the output. And the same thing for a bit of more complicated example, where we have some probabilities of some words highly likely being bad, and then we can label this, and this would be a sentence that we would need to send to our humans to post-edit. And quality estimation is very important for Unbabel. Uh, historically, we have always participated in a competition on WMT, which is the biggest machine translation conference in the world. And Unbabel won in 2016, we won in 2017, it was close. And in 2018, priorities changed and we didn't compete. We were out of the race, of the race and Alibaba, the Chinese giant, uh, took the crown. And at this point, you're, you're wondering why the hell I'm talking at an open source conference. I, I've I'm only been presenting the product. Because this year, we released OpenKiwi. And OpenKiwi is an open source framework for training and deploying quality estimation models. And this tool is very important uh, for Unbabel because there's a big problem in most tech companies. It is very hard to transform research and research code into production. I don't know if you've ever worked with researchers before, but our code is bad. And it's not bad because we don't like making good code. It's bad because we're interested in experimenting, we're interested in doing things fast, and we're interested in testing if things work or not. But then it's very hard to transition this from research into production and to put the things that we the models or new techniques that we invent in research are working for Unbabel. So we, we designed OpenKiwi from the bottom up in order to make it easier for new researchers in Unbabel to experiment with Kiwi and to make this communication between teams as fast as possible. OpenKiwi is basically a framework that implements the most recent winners of the WMT shared task on Kiwi. And with it, we obtained state-of-the-art results. We became, again, the best quality estimation system in the world. And we provide easy APIs for training, if you're a researcher, or for inference, if you're deploying into production. And something that is completely unheard of in research, documentation and testing. Um, and by making it very modular, we allow people to build on top of it. And we've made this, we've decided to make it open source for several reasons. It, was, it wasn't an easy step. I mean, we're, we're a small company. Uh, we're a startup here from Lisbon. And by, by when you're making this open source step, you have to consider a lot of things. My code is going to be seen by a lot of people. I'm, gonna, I'm exposing myself to the community. Um, but it was an important step for us, because there's been a lot of discussion in the AI research circles about reproducibility. You have all these big companies like Google, Microsoft, Amazon, just to name a few, that produce these giant models that have great performance, but then nobody else can train. I mean, if you're using 2,000 GPUs to train something, how am I supposed to reproduce your results? 
Uh, and again, a lot of people publish papers that have great results, but they don't publish details, they don't publish code. And so sometimes we spend months trying to reproduce someone else's results because that's, we need to compare against them to publish in a conference, but we can't because they didn't provide us with the right details. So it was very important for us to be open to the rest of the community. And we would also like to bring more people into researching QE, as you know, more eyes is always better, more opinions, more different ways of doing things. We've been doing QE for a long time, but what if there's a better way to do it? We don't know. And all the other companies that participate in these competitions, these competitions with us, they all have closed source solutions. None of them actually publish their code once they're done. And this has had a huge impact for Unbubble. On the research side of things, we, it has given us immense awareness in the research community. People have started looking at us in a different way. People are interested in our work. And we reclaimed our crown as the best quality estimation system in the world, beating every other competitor in this year's shared task. And the community was so starved for a way to do quality estimation that we won the best demo paper award at ACL 2019. And this is the biggest AI conference for natural language processing in the world. On the other hand, in production, it has also had a big impact. We're do for us, quality is very important. So we do slow rollouts of things. It's more important for us to guarantee that our translations are correct and they have good quality than it is to save a few bucks. And so we've only rolled out it, we've only rolled it out for eight language pairs of the almost 20 that we work in. And on our total volume of translations, we are now skipping around 3% of jobs. And 3% of jobs might not sound much, but when you're doing thousands upon thousands of translation jobs, 3% is a lot. And as, we, as our system continues learning, as it gets more data from, from our annotators, as we do more translations and we get more data to fit into the system, these numbers will only increase. And we're skipping jobs while maintaining quality. And you'll notice that 84 is not the same thing as 94, but the kind of mistakes that we're letting through are very small mistakes. Commas, uh, periods on the wrong place, and that's not very important when we're talking about a customer service, um, a customer service use case. And we 84 is still extremely high, and much higher than what any machine translation engine can do on average by itself, because we'll make terrible mistakes. On the other hand, for the community, releasing this open source code has also had a very big impact. We are now used, one of our models is used as the baseline for the competitions. Um, and various research groups have approached us and have started working on Kiwi because of our release. We've had people from Google approaches, we've had people from the European Commission uh, approaches, Microsoft, and a bunch of other companies which are now getting into quality estimation because of the ease of use of, the, of a package that we've just provided. And OpenKiwi has also been used in a lot of workshops, in a lot of teaching new people into, bringing new people into the field. And something completely unexpected to us, it actually opened up. It made it easy for new areas of research in machine translation to be pursued. People are using Kiwi for things that we have never imagined. People are filtering huge corpus of billions of parallel sentences using Kiwi to see which phrases are good and should be used to train their machine translation models. They're, um, they're using it to measure the quality of machine translation. They're using it to do active learning and buying data uh, based on Kiwi. Things that had never crossed our minds, but at making this available to everybody else, suddenly the community saw this opportunity and started using our product and using our, our, our framework 
to pursue completely new interests. So if there's a few takeaways from this, is that in order to scale machine translation, quality estimation is essential. We will never be able to scale with maintain while maintaining quality, because you can scale. I mean, Google Translate scale translation. But I don't think any of you would deliver a report to your boss that was translated on Google Translate. <laughs> no one, no one would, make, would take that risk. So to scale it with quality, to make sure you maintain quality, you need quality estimation. You need to know when to send things to humans and when the machine translation is good enough. On the other hand, for us, this first open source step uh, brought us immense value. It has, it has created huge value internally and externally. By being open source, we've allowed the community around us to grow. And what we've noticed is that the more we contribute to the community, the more we give to them, it, I mean, it's not selfless. Companies have to make money. And we are a startup. We have uh, some, vent, uh, some VCs that we have to keep happy. Uh, and so but providing to the community, not only has it created immense value for the community, but also for us. It has advantages for both sides. And as the community grows, we also grow. And that's it. We have, um, before you clap, before we clap, we have received, a, uh, we have just announced a Series C funding of $60 million and we are hiring. So thank you very much. I hope to see you all at the sunset party. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, or Apple Podcasts so you never miss out any of our episodes. Once again, many thanks and see you next time.